all the growth happens outside the comfort zone and it's certainly been uncomfortable. Now, usually I'm creating that discomfort for myself by not being satisfied with mediocre and wanting to push on and break things to fix them and make them better. Like muscles, when you're growing muscles, you tear the muscle and then the muscle heals stronger. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now. Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. For more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier for your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. And to get new episodes of Elevate directly to your inbox, sign up at eliteagent.com slash subscribe. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey, everyone. It's Sam here. Today, we're joined by Mark Kentwell, who is an influential figure in the Australian real estate space with more than 20 years of experience. Mark first entered the industry almost by accident after attending a real estate training course with a friend. And as most of you know, he quickly found success growing his agency rapidly in the early days by implementing the friendly auction system and scalable business processes. But as many of you will also know, Mark has faced a few professional and personal challenges over the past year after the airing of an ABC show, where he's had to find some resilience to not just cope, but rebuild, rebrand and reinvigorate. In our conversation today, Mark will share some of the lessons learned and as always, some wisdom from his experiences overall. And at the end of this episode, we're going to announce a pretty exciting project that Mark and I have got happening between now and 2024 to help other agencies and principals looking for ways in which to thrive in today's ever-changing real estate landscape. Personally, in this episode, I'm also looking forward to hearing about Mark's newest venture, Presence Real Estate, and his vision for a business culture that's all about collaboration, education, and constant improvement. So, Mark, it's great to have you on the show again. Thank you very much, Samantha. It's a privilege and an honor to be on your show again. Well, it's been only a minute, I think, but this year has gone so quickly in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Some ways it's gone really quickly. In some ways it's been like one that's never going to end, but we press on and we take the value out of every minute that goes past. Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned in the intro, let's address the elephant in the room. I mean, the last year has clearly been quite difficult, both professionally and personally for you after the airing of that ABC show. How have you coped and what has helped you get through it? Yeah, it has been a challenging year, like probably one of my biggest tests to date. And I listen to a lot of messages from wonderful mentors. Many of those I still have direct contact with all the time and some that I've done programs for and other things like that. And one thing that sort of rings true for me in this regard is that the universe will never deliver you a scenario to deal with that you can't handle. And some of my sort of inner circle during this process, when we've been talking about it, it basically said that like, this is a leveling up exercise of, you know, like if you want to become or be all of the things that are important and, you know, continue on the success journey, it's like a test, it's a series of tests. And yeah, it has been a, a hell of a series of tests. So yes, it's been very challenging and with a sort of interesting slant on it. I am in many ways grateful for it. I feel that gratitude gave way to abundance. So it has been very testing and challenging. And I know that as a result of it, I will be a better human and those close to me and around me 
will be better for it. But nonetheless, it's been a big test. That's actually a great way to look at hard things, isn't it? That it's a leveling up. I think I heard that actually, or read that somewhere just recently, is that if you feel like you're going through something that's particularly hard, it's because it's a growth period or something like that. Yeah, well, all the growth happens outside the comfort zone and it's certainly been uncomfortable. Now, usually I'm creating that discomfort for myself by not being satisfied with mediocre and wanting to push on and break things to fix them and make them better. Like muscles, when you're growing muscles, you tear the muscle and then the muscle heals stronger. And, you know, like those kind of analogies have been really helpful through this period. And I suppose that, you know, like I still have gratitude for this is effectively a psychological exercise. Yes, there's a financial side, there's relationships involved. There's a lot of that sort of stuff, but I still have my health. I still have my family. I still have those that are dear to me and those around me that do as well. You know, whereas I know many that are and have been touched by horrible things like cancer or losing a loved one very suddenly or prematurely. And that there is a challenge that no one wants. And, and interestingly, when you go to motivational seminars or you hear speakers speak, a lot of them have been through maybe a breakdown or they've had cancer or something like that. And, and they tell the tale, genuinely tell the tale that they're grateful for it. And you think, wow, how could you be grateful for that stuff? But you see who they've become in the process. And that's what the sort of themes that I've been holding on to during a lot of this as we press on. And there has already been growth and benefit from it. Just, you know, if you get stuck in the weeds at the time, it can be very challenging to find a way out and to dig deep and find that sort of energy and resourcefulness to press on and make sure that what matters is still happening. Yeah. It's not just you, though. It's probably been quite hard for your team and not just that, but in business, we all try to prepare ourselves for whatever gets thrown at us, but I'm sure that there was a lot of lawyers and legal fees and, you know, just general uncertainty from staff and things like that. What was it like managing that situation and what have you learned, if anything, from that? I've learned a great deal from it. And I suppose what I'm really grateful for in this situation is the amount of self-work that I've done over the years. And I don't say that to boast by any means. I suppose you come into the orbit of people that have an energy and attract to good messaging, whether it's authors of 2000 years ago in the stoicism that I read daily, whether it's podcasts, whether it's seminars, or whether it's, you know, the coaches that, you know, I've got a lot of coaches and advisors and inner circles that I deal with. And I learned as a client of, or a student of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming in 2005, I started that journey. And I'm still a student of it, but I'm also accredited practitioner of it now. Now, I don't practice it for financial reasons. I, I've done it more so I can help understand myself better and others. And a lot of that is to, to do with paradigm and how you view the world and whether you view something as an event and something that's happening or whether you attach a meaning to it and then whether you let that meaning serve you or whether you let that meaning cause you great destruction. And I, I meet a lot of people that have had something happen, whether it's a divorce or, you know, a death or, you know, a financial situation, and they kind of let it become their story. They kind of let it become everything. And I suppose I've refrained from getting too involved in media and rebuttals and everything like that. And I've really just stayed focused on what I can control. And I've really urged those around me to do that. But there's no doubt, it was incredibly, and I suppose to some extent, there's still sort of some echoes of it. But like during the intense period, when the damage was 
when it was being done, when there was, you know, competitors ringing around trying to really whip it into something. And then, you know, the journalist, you know, having a field day on that and coming in hot with accusations that weren't founded. And when they're opening their sentence about that, regardless of whether someone believes it or not, it's on the top of their mind. Then it becomes on the top of a team member's mind. And when you've been the leading brand in, in a region, a very competitive region with some of the top agencies in the country, we've been a leading brand for over a decade, most chosen by home sellers and one of the top in property management and projects. You know, agents get very used to, they get familiar with being that leading brand. It's like almost, well, I won't say it's an unfair advantage because it's been earned, but it's a huge advantage. There's so much Teflon on the process because consumers have experienced all this great stuff. So like, you know, the resistance to get into a home or to list a home or to get a property sold, so much lower. And during that time, like fear can really set in. So, you know, I looked at all of the things that I could put my energy towards. One of those, as advised by many people, was to go straight down the defamation path. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you got to slam it. you got to def- get involved in defamation and everything there. And a lot of legal advice on that and lots of letters being sent around to try and really give media out an opportunity not to go down the path they're about to head out. But that amount of energy and time and not just the cost, it's just more about focus. For the focus goes, the energy flows. And then, you know, if it's a problem, the problem grows. And so I wanted to focus the energy where it mattered the most, which was on our team, because our team and the message out there to the consumer clients and the community, and there's more of them than there is of just me. And some sort of legal thing going on in the background behind closed doors doesn't benefit the team. So I just went straight into providing as much transparency, as much communication, as much value as possible. And I'm eternally grateful for our shareholders in Presence Real Estate. You know, we've been with you for a long time, you know, like a couple of them around our decade and another one, you know, in a five or seven year bracket to really stand by and get on board and, you know, the coaches that we've got in the business. And then there's this whole tribe of people that really became a core, became closer. Now, of course, off the back of that, there are some people that, you know, took a different view on it. And some of those worked for us, some of those were clients. And that was challenging. And I feel that it's disappointing that they had stuff put in front of them that was enough to put them into a fear-based level of thinking that then, you know, changed the course of their trajectory. Because I believe they are missing out to an extent, to a large extent in some cases, whether they've worked for us or had the opportunity to work with one of our agents and chose to take on negativity from a media outlet or a competitor that was shopping around for personal gain. But nonetheless, that's their event. There's been events going on since before the earth became an earth. And, you know, I'm a tiny blip on the radar of all that. So kept coming back to focusing on what I could control, you know, really diving deep on biology, psychology and environment, making sure that I spent time around people that believed in me and that I could add value to them. And I think that that's served us greatly, you know, during that period of time. And as we start to sort of gain serious momentum now as our very own real estate company, which wasn't directly triggered from this event. It was just coincidental on timing more than anything, but it was certainly a time to just say, you know what, we're, if we're resetting here, if we are really taking control of what we can control and focusing in the right direction, 
We need to engage the team in this process. We need to listen to them. We need to listen to our clients and our consumers. And we need to do what we have a knowing sense is, is best and right. And we're starting to see the fruits of that now. I love what you just said about taking care of your biology and psychology and stuff. I mean, that was the stuff that we did in Transform this year. But someone asked me, when something bad happens, what do I do? And more often than not, like I'll sort of want to wallow in it for a while, have a glass of wine or 10 maybe. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's nothing that's worse for you really, is it? Because it just dehydrates you and sort of squeezes your brain. So I love that you've taken the opposite approach of going, all right, well, I'm going to make sure that I'm in the best physical and mental condition to handle the adversity rather than sort of going for the easy option, which is what some of us do do. Look, it was very tempting. It was very tempting to kind of, you know, so like go into that kind of victim mode and sort of wallow in it and substantiate, you know. And a lot of people were saying, look, you know, we need to have a drink, you know, you need to let your hair down, whatever. But particularly in the intense part, like, you know, I first became aware of it around November, December, got a fair bit of fact-checking done sort of over that Christmas, New Year's break. So it wasn't the most restful Christmas, New Year's break. And limited the level of entertainment and all the stuff, you know, celebrations that happened at that time of year and just got mega, mega, mega focused on the business. But I knew that that would be better in a better state with better rhythms and better routine. So I committed to doing 75 hard with a group of people, which is, you know, you may have heard of the Andy Frizzella program. It's like no booze, 75 days, two workouts a day, 10 pages of reading, clean eating, a lot of accountability. And I started that on the 2nd of January and that was the time that was most valuable. I knew that if I was in the best state I could be and I was doing everything I could to control my environment as well. And, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to build over many years of work to have like holiday homes and other places I can go and stay so I can keep my head focused. And, you know, the times that I was in and around the whole scene, my circus was going on. I was able to, you know, really be of value to those people, be very present in those moments. And a lot of those rhythms and routines that were there, like you get hours more in the day, even though you're spending time on exercise and all the other stuff that goes with it, the energy and the ability to look at events as events and not as problems and not have it mean something about you. It's a challenge. It's a mental challenge, definitely. But, you know, I really needed to be of most value to those around me, the team, and then in turn to clients as well. Yeah. The show Four Corners talked about some practices that reflect poorly on the industry, which once again, this year, the Ethics Institute ranked us quite low again. So clearly there is a wider perception still that real estate agents are unethical. And I know that there is good and bad in every industry, but what are some of the things that you'd like to see change about the perception of real estate agents generally? Yeah, well, I'd really love to see the perception of real estate agents improve. And look, I don't know. Obviously, they're an institute of ethics, so they've probably got a pretty good process for surveying a wide enough sample of audience to come up with that. And I'm not going to question an independent research faculty on that side of things. I think there's a lot of things that can be done to enhance that impression of the real estate industry. And you know, some of that comes back to business practices and the responsibility that principals in particular as, you know, the heads of agencies and that landscape's changing a lot now. There's a lot more independent contractors and DIY models out there, which really is 
is going to make it harder, I think, in some cases. I'm not against it by any means. I think that a scaled operating system makes sense. And look, a large percentage of compliance is taken care of there, but it's the practices on the field and the day-to-day interactions and how people negotiate and many things like that that I, I believe cause a large percentage of the complaints. I've had a lot of interaction, not just with the office fair trading, but with people that are helping lobby and write better legislation. When the price quoting legislation was due to come in, they were doing a lot of work around 2014, 15, and 16 when it came out in 2016. And I was working with the REI at the time. John Cunningham was a real champion for getting the real estate industry to be its own profession and to reach a professional standards accreditation. Leanne followed after him, Leanne Pilkington. And they've done immense work on this. And it's a long road to getting to that point. And I'm a massive advocate for that independent, like that professional standards to be like an accreditation you have to reach and maintain. And so I wrote white papers. Um, some of those were extracted from the friendly auctions book that I wrote as a consumer-driven real estate system that I've been practicing since about 08, 09 and touring around the country and providing it for free to the industry. I spoke at ARIC in 2015 at sort of circa 4,000, 5,000 paying guests about this system and many have adopted it, but it was all driven by consumers. So pages of my book were submitted to the Premier at the time and the panel that was working on this legislation in conjunction with the OT. And I hope, I believe it's made some difference because some of the elements are in the New South Wales legislation. And I believe there's more that could be done there. But when I was speaking to the OFT and the REI about this, I also discovered that a large percentage of the complaints that make its way to the regulators, whether it's the Office of Fair Trading, Consumer Affairs, whatever they're calling that state, they're from buyers of private treaty property and they're from tenants trying to get a property. And in some cases, unfortunately, and a lot of them are legitimate complaints. And I absolutely applaud the IFT for the work that they do because it's a hard job, a very hard job. They can't say everything that they need to say to get the transparency out there, just like I couldn't during the media stuff without serious personal and business risk. And they see a lot. And they've got very carefully drafted legislation. Millions of person hours have gone into drafting that legislation. It's updated so frequently. But unfortunately, a lot of the practices that cause issues are not sort of heavily governed within the legislation. You know, and like quoting has become a bigger one. And I think it's good that there's now measures in place whether people agree exactly how it's being done as agents for price quoting. That's one thing. But I think, you know, if agents and the industry wants to gain a better perception and look, you know, I've just been through this process myself and still am in it to a large extent. But I think if you want to be trustworthy or known as ethical, my saying that I talk about all the time, I was asked recently, what would I put on a billboard if it was going to be put somewhere? It's like, we do have. If you want to be known as ethical, be ethical. And you'll be doing things in relation to that. Like, you know, your activities will be guided by what you are and you'll have any definition of success that's important. So if your definition of success is I want to be known as ethical, be ethical. So Mark, as hard as this question might be to answer, and it probably is a hard question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because we're dealing with the elephants in the room today. If you could talk directly to both consumers and any staff that were concerned by the show, what would you want them to know about how you operate? Yeah, look, that's a great question, Sam. And it's been something that's been on my mind from day one, like how do we get the message out to consumers? I don't have the same microphone as the media. I certainly have a different agenda than the media. We've been consumer focused since day one. But like what I wanted would want to start with if I was getting to speak to 
the community at large and clients, prospective clients, is a message of gratitude. Like to start with a mes- message of gratitude. The amount of support from the community, like people I didn't know at all, like never dealt with them in any way. People literally, I had handwritten letters sent to my house, my home address, and I didn't even know how they got. And I'm talking not just from around our local area, I'm talking national. I'm talking international, some people are expats or they're in training circles that might have had a conversation in all the platforms. And the messages from what I call the silent majority, they're not the people who get swept up in the noise and want to sort of chime in and heap more stuff on. And that message, like, it was valuable. So I want to say thank you because, like, even though I see myself as a pretty resilient character and it was a test and, you know, I got to put a lot of my practices into place, I've been learning for many years. It's still tough. It doesn't make it not tough. It's just that I had more tools to deal with it. But, you know, hearing firstly from members of the community, prospective clients, clients that actually signed up with our agents during it all, during the heat of it, where their friends were on board, uh, throwing in and some of the stuff in elite ends of the market. Like we have one particular client, well, a couple of these actually, but one that comes to mind without saying the names and the addresses and the exact price points, but it had been on with a a pretty good competitor from, you know, a volume and market share point of view, who was actively known to be out there talking ill about us, you know, like had been reported from many sources. And they had the property listed for, you know, some months, say four months. And we were originally in on that deal and didn't get the go ahead. And then they came back to us during the heat of it all and signed with one of our team members and they almost did it in spite of what was going on. But say, look, I know what you guys are about. I don't know you personally, but I know what you guys are about. I've been watching for a long time. And it was sold in about three weeks for an unbelievable price. And the testimonials and that that came off the back of it, and they sort of heaped a bit on the competitor for being under the line, below the line. And look, that's not something we asked them to do by any means. Members of the industry nationally, like thought leaders, figureheads, the people that don't hand out their mobile numbers and the names, which I won't share, I'm not grandstanding here, they're the sort of people that everyone who's listening to this from the real estate industry would know. And the personal time they gave to sharing their own stories with criticism and stuff like that, it was really reassuring. I was able to pass some of that onto the team. Some of it were very private conversations. But the team in particular, they're the ambassadors out there. And the vast majority stayed focused, stayed on board, stayed focused on what they can control. And we developed strategies to actually bring it up with clients instead of having it brought up by a competitor or their friend. And the ones that the agents that did that absolutely benefited and just moved straight through it. And look, we were able to tell the real story because we had all the documents in front of us. It just hadn't been reported. And when there was an article to say, oh, look, they're all clear. It was like very small midweek paper compared to the 10, 12, 13 front cover articles and the national TV programs. My family and friends were just like, you know, you know who counts in your life when you have situations like this. And I'm not the sort of person who likes sympathy, but the empathy that came from it. And look, I was willing to receive it. I certainly wasn't rude. So it helped figure out who's a real friend, ambassador, supporter, and like who are kind of fair weather friends, I suppose. And in a high standards organization, it happens in sports teams. The higher your standards are, the more likely you're going to have to outplace people more often to maintain a culture. And the vast majority of this stuff, it wasn't from consumers making a complaint. It was competitors that got together to try and seize an advantage with a reporter ringing around, leading with the accusation as if it was true or several reporters. And that sort of stir created this top of mind awareness that this could be true. But I believe consumers are very intelligent. And, you know, as a mass, 
the people that vote are the silent majority on whether things are going to work or not. You look at the criticism that Elon Musk has received or Uber received and Facebook received, yet the consumers use those platforms and they use them for good. And there's negative stuff that's put on them from time to time. And I'm not saying I'm Elon Musk or any of those guys, but history shows us lessons and success leaves clues. And like a lot of the consumers, the clients in the market were saying to us, look, haters are going to hate. And, you know, I responded to nearly every reply that came in that was negative as well as positive that came from our database alerts as we kept communicating with the community at large. And when I did it a couple of times with some of the sort of more hate mail stuff and we offered to take them off the system, I went and looked at some of their social profiles that I could find. And interestingly enough, Facebook tells a lot about someone's preferences and style. It's a platform that's very easy to share other people's news and stuff like that. I went down and looked. In the majority of cases, the people who are throwing acid on us, me in particular, they throw acid on nearly everyone. I didn't have any judgment for these people, but I also realized that they're seeing the world through their lens. And it wasn't going to help me to try and win a battle or to deal with something or show someone anything different when they don't want to be shown. And I suppose it built into the lessons that come with that. But like when it comes to consumers as well, they've already got advocate bodies that work for them that do the real regulation of this stuff. And in our industry, the regulators are the state-by-state government departments and they're named very appropriately. I think they do a fantastic job. They've got a lot of balls in there they have to deal with. But like in New South Wales, the Office of Fair Trading, Fair Trading, it's a pretty strong giveaway. And we have to work, you know, to high standards. The bigger the organization, the more criticism you get. A lot of the small boutiques, if you were to walk through there, and this is not me judging them in any way, they're doing their best probably. I think their intentions are good. But if you went and audited their files and their processes and how they'd speak to people, there'd be absolutely red flags everywhere. When you're at a high standard, you've got a high market share, there's an instant suspicion that you could be on large doing something that's outside of the guidelines. So we've got internal compliance departments and employee assistance programs and training running all of the time. And that's part of being tier one. And there's millions of hours that have gone into writing these legislations or at least hundreds of thousands of hours by experts. And we had independent experts look before we started. We had multiple checks during it, especially when the shades started coming our way. And from hearing that, it's automatically got us to a standard that we needed to be at. But I suppose I learned something very powerful in the process. And is that the reason that I got into this in the first place was for consumers. And I had a whole series of media releases written. And I was sitting on those media releases. I had them fact-checked. I had them professionally written. I had lawyers look at them from multiple firms. And I wanted to make sure the message came across the right way so the consumers could see that this is for them. Like we've got a sales agency with over 200,000 contacts on our database, compliantly sourced and nurtured, 48,000 active buy match profiles. We don't need more buyers to buy our properties. And we certainly don't need to try and make a fraction of a fraction of a fraction through being involved in a holding company that doesn't actually have any influence over an individual transaction to get our property sold. It was about servicing the people who had needs beyond what could be done from not just our agency, but the others. There's 150 agencies that serve our area. And I did the testing on our own business to see how it was going to work in the national expansion that I was guiding from an industry thought leader and advisor point of view. And that's why I wasn't involved in the licensed entity. Sales agents can act for a buyer or a seller, just not on the same deal at the same time. It's under the license that matters. And the license is the one who's financially responsible legally responsible. 
And that's what the legislation is set up for. We were so far away from that. It's, it's not funny. So to give it some sort of quantum of this, in the period of time that Henderson started up until when all this has happened in 2023, we would have represented roughly 1,500 property sales we were chosen to represent. So the volume is there of happy clients that have chosen us. That's another 1,500 buyers. Henderson would have done hundreds of transactions in that time. And at the time that they were investigating, there was like six or seven deals that had been bought back through our sales agency, which is disproportionate with our market share. It's a fraction. And none of those clients were upset. None were unhappy. The files got ordered and they were okay. And no one had made complaints. And that was all documenting what was sent to the media. So I'm grateful for the consumers for being intelligent and offering their support. And I do hope that by following the be, do, have mentality we've got of being the things we need to be and adding more value over a long period of time, then we'll be doing those things and still are and we'll have hopefully the faith and the trust in our vision and what we're trying to achieve back. Yeah, some valuable, really valuable lessons there from a hugely difficult situation. But I mean, out of a hugely difficult situation, you have moved forward and now you've rebranded or branched out on your own as Presence Real Estate, which, as I understand, has been very well received. What is your vision for the new brand? Yeah, it's very exciting to be doing this for ourselves. And there was key intervals in our history with a group that we were with where it could have happened, but there was something else going on at the time. We just opened a new division or we were buying some offices or looking at buying more offices or there was a new territory or there was COVID. So it was probably a bit longer than it could have been. And I always had it there as a hedge uh, to do that if the arrangements didn't turn out perfectly. But stepping into our own skin, first thing I did was let the team know that we were leaving the group we're with and there's no disrespect to them. They've got their way of doing business and that's fine. But the team knew we were highly bespoke, highly customized business right from the start. You know, we had our own system training culture and did our very best within the constraints of the branding that was there. But everyone knew that we were sort of needing some more elbow room. So I went to the team and I said, look, there's three options that we could go with. It was an address that was right in the middle of the media stump. So it was a challenging meeting. I was probably more nervous about that than almost any kind of public speech I've ever done. And I said, there's three options. We can look at another franchise network that has, you know, the highest standards of marketing and it's not overly represented in our area. So we have elbow room and matches our brand standards and culture. And they let us do the things that are important to us that we know are better for consumers. Or we can go with an independent. And there was a few offers getting talked about to align, to join venture, to take on a brand under a licensing arrangement and some very good options there. Some incredible independent networks that weren't represented in our neighborhood. Or we can go ground up custom. And I explained, you know, all the dot points of each. We did a survey and we let them have time to think about that. And we listened to that. And it came back and it was just overwhelming to go independent, which I was really kind of humbled by, I suppose, because I was wondering if they'd go, oh, look, MK's off with another idea, you know, like, I break it to make it better. And there was a little bit of fear from just a very small percentage of people that have probably only ever been inside franchises before, but like overwhelming majority in the peer-to-peer support was amazing. So having the team on board made it so much easier. There were some things that we were really trying to achieve, like being the standard of brand that we were, and you know, in the sort of top 50 offices countrywide on all the metrics and across all the brands, you know, like we knew what we were on the inside, that we didn't look like that on the outside. And we did our very best, but we wanted 10 out of 10 marketing standards for our clients and for our agents. 
we wanted to be able to be free to explore and innovate with technology and processes and systems and have an unrestrained sort of area that we could service without sort of having to answer anyone about that. If the consumers felt it was best, we want to be able to refer to who we want to refer to. But I suppose what's different now is that like our head office is right in the center of Newcastle and our company owned building. Everything we do and don't do is tailored to the markets that we service. And we've got a very broad area and we will expand, no doubt. So having that approach, it's got to be better for team. And that's the number one thing. It's got to be the most valuable place for top talent to be attracted to and for them to come and play and grow and have peer camaraderie and support and really live out their ideal or optimal real estate career with us. And the growth trajectory is unlimited for someone coming into presence. If they're already there, same thing. It's got to be better for clients. It has to be better for clients in every way. So like, you know, I've done a lot of time studying this across other brands and all the study tours I do, it's, it's part of it. And it's got to be better for community, like our investment in the community, what we can do within the community, who we can talk to, who we can't talk to. They've got to feel that. And I absolutely believe that's happening. And the feedback I'm getting, like I went to vote in the referendum recently and I hadn't seen the people there ever that were there. And one said, oh, like, you know, when I read my name, I went, oh, Mark Kenwell, the real estate agent principal. And I'm like, yeah, you know, trying to sort of keep it down a bit. We're in that sort of quiet environment. And someone goes, um, they went to say the name that we used to be. And then they go, no, no, presence, presence, real estate. And then there's like a conversation broke out with like eight people, literally, like people over at the booths. And they're like, yeah, I really love your branding. I love your marketing. I love that logo. I love that icon. Seeing your properties, I'm seeing your agents everywhere. And what I call that omnipresence. You know, as Michael Schultz, who's our coach, talks about. And it's a nice feeling. It wasn't like pride or ego feeling. It was kind of like just feedback and reinforcement. And you just need that little gem every now and then to go, you know what? This is worth it. It's worth it all. And I'm hearing that from our team now as well. So we're definitely in serious momentum and it's just so much more ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, something I mentioned at the top of the show too that you and I've got coming up is just in that spirit of giving and momentum and stuff like that, you suggested to me that we do a little training program that would be free for everyone to join in. Can you give us a little bit of an insight as to some of the golden nuggets that you'll be giving away? Yeah, sure. It's going to be an immersive program for sure. And look, my objective with this is same as I said when I spoke at ARIC. It's not about leaving a legacy that's there when you're dead. It's about contributing while we're in it. And in this real estate game, we talk about things like media and ethics and, you know, their opinion, their opinion, whatever. If we're really going to advance this industry, the best place people for it are the thought leaders and the tier one organizations that are already leading in their market, sharing and collaborating. And like, you know, my journey has been from technician right at the bottom, non-real estate background to being at the 0.1% principal and agent that I am now and the team members with it. And I want to share that with the industry. And if I can do something to help them improve their own journey, that's going to wash on to others in their team. That's going to raise the bar naturally. We need help from the regulators and we need help from the REIs, 100%. We want to work with that. But if we can raise the bar of our own standards of how we are in this whole process, that whole thing has a more rapid trajectory. And as we come into the world now of AI, where you're doing your AI-powered agents, which is just fabulous, and anyone is not on that, just needs to just do it instantly. In this world we're in now, like now is the time for collaboration. 
part of the reason I believe AI is so successful is it collaborates with itself and with others. It's resourcing every bit of information that's ever been documented and it's referencing what's important and it's asking constantly, could this be better? It's asking the user, could this be better? It goes back and checks itself and it collaborates. So if we're not collaborating, what's our chances? So like we've got an opportunity here and I'm really happy to be providing that. You're an incredible host and facilitator too, Sam. I find it very easy to speak to you and to get the message across and to share that. So I look forward to joining those that come on board and want to help fast track their own success and those around them in the process. Yeah. Watch this space, everyone. I've got some good questions lined up for Mark, but if you've got some questions to do with anything to do with sales, property management, leadership, anything like that, we're going to be covering a lot. So start thinking about it. Don't be afraid to get in touch with me or Mark Samantha at eliteagent.com. And I guess I know this has probably been a tough interview for you and I kind of want to finish on an up. I've got a lot to be grateful for. I've got a lot of people around me to be grateful for. And even though that there's been a lot of challenge, I've got to be grateful for that. Those that have stood by, you learn a lot about your true friends. And for me, it's being more grateful for what's already there. Yeah, what a great sentiment. Mark Cantwell, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to Connect Now, to stay in touch with all things Elite Agent, sign up for our daily newsletter, The Brief, at eliteagent.com slash subscribe. 